You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Tuesday edition. As we do every week, this is your show. This is a Twitter Tuesday, our two-minute drill that usually lasts longer than two minutes. It's almost a running joke now because we tried to do this thing during the season where it was a two-minute drill. Definitely doesn't happen that way, uh, but we'll try to get to as many of your Twitter questions as possible at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL. Tag us. That's how you get those questions into this program every Tuesday. And we might hit some more questions throughout the week. There's no rules here, Matt. Uh, one rule I think that we will have to abide by today is to cover the latest breaking news around the league. And Matt, this is kind of how it always happens, right? Uh, the, the moment we hit stop on record yesterday, J.J. Watt breaks his own story, posting Source Me with him lifting weights in an Arizona Cardinals t-shirt. So uh, that one was quite surprising to me. What do you think, Matt? J.J. Watt to the Arizona Cardinals, meeting up with his old Texans teammate, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, uh- I caught me by surprise. I didn't see this one coming. And you're right. It was like basically as soon as I shut my laptop down and walked upstairs, uh, my phone got a little vibration and looked, ah, he went to the Cardinals. I've been nice to talk about 10 minutes ago. But, oh, well, (laughs) we will talk about it today. Um, There was a lot of teams rumored. I had a hunch it might have been Cleveland when it was all said and done. Um, And I think the contract shows a lot of teams were interested. I mean, a lot of – a lot of times in these situations, you hear, oh, there was all kinds of offers, but there really wasn't. He got paid heavily, and that would concern me a little bit. I think he's still a great player. He's a very versatile player across the defensive front. You can use him in a lot of ways. But the big thing I've been saying through this whole thing is I hope he's not oversnapped. You know, that keep him at 60% of the snaps or so at this stage and get a whole year out of him. So I hope they're not done and just assume he's going to be in there every snap. And Chandler Jones comes back. I mean, that's a really lethal pairing that has a lot of length, some versatility to him. So I thought he was – the contract startled me a little, but I also think that obviously implies the league is still very much involved with J.J. Watt and the league thinks he can play. I agree with that at a high level. I also think a huge contributing factor here – is J.J. Watt the person, the leader, what he means to the community? Uh, Larry Fitzgerald won't be back. They've always had that guy, you know, a man of the year type of Hall of Fame guy to put on billboards and talk to media and teach the people that are younger and take Kyler Murray under their wing. And I assume Larry won't be back to do that. He's done it so well for so many years. Now I think it's J.J.'s job. I wonder about Larry Fitzgerald, if he might want to try one more, because it sounds like a win-now move for the Arizona Cardinals there, who have a ton of free agents. I want to get more into that with the Cardinals and and how this affects them, because you're right, two years, $31 million with $23 million of that guaranteed. That's more than I expected J.J. Watt to get at this point. And it's interesting, because you mentioned how his snap totals should probably kick down a little bit. And I think think he played 91% of his snaps last year, but his sack production wasn't up to where you know it was in his prime years and then he's had a bunch of injuries on top of it so I think there's something to that lessen his load that will you know help him to not be injured again and mm-hmm. it will also probably help him to be more productive per snap than he was last year maybe logging a few too many snaps 
Right, right. And maybe use, you know, keep them fresh for third and eights in the fourth quarter and, you know, wild card weekend and when it matters most. And that's hard to do. I mean, it's easy for us to sit on our lazy boy and say, don't play them so much. But coaches have a tough time with that when they see their best player standing next to them on the sideline and someone's running the ball down their throat, like, JJ, get in there. You know, I mean, that it's, it's easier said than done. I mean, coaches don't think that way. But I do think that's the best way to bring him along. And the more I think of it, I hope they draft. It could be a D tackle. It could be a D end. Some sort of defensive lineman early to learn from JJ, but also to eat up some snaps too as he learns. You know, a talented young guy, a day one or two guy. Well, Jones is going to be a free agent next year, right? Yeah. So I think you've so, got yeah. to replace at some point both JJ Watt and Chandler Jones. They're both in their thirties. Can't imagine they have enough to pay. Hassan Reddick now and it's tough because we talk about maybe J.J. Watt playing fewer snaps but he's so good as a run defender on the outside on early downs and so good as a pass rusher outside and especially inside on passing downs which one of those do you value more or do you just have a nice rotation where you keep doing both of those things but just run them on and off the field depending on you know how important that down is maybe yeah I mean I think that's the 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 game plan again again that's easier said than done when you're in Seattle in the third quarter down by seven and the fans are screaming and you need to make a play, JJ, get in there. You know what I mean? Um, but I think that that's a logical plan. Real quick back to Chandler Jones. I mean, if you remember one year ago, it was last off season, I did position ranks for, for Pro Football Network. You know, I was ranking my top 20 edges. I had Jones one or two. I mean, so... I know he's up in age and he's coming off a big injury, but last we saw him, he was pretty awesome. One of the big things that jumped out to me is it's a win now move for an aging player. See if he plays at that superstar level in JJ Watt. See if Jones comes back to his superstar level as an edge rusher. But the only reason that you can do this kind of thing is when you have that young quarterback on his rookie contract. But they have a lot of decisions to make this offseason. And this would make me believe that somebody like, I mentioned Chandler Jones is going to be a free agent next year. Larry Fitzgerald, you mentioned a free agent. Is he going to retire? Is he done? Maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers for one year? I don't know what they're throwing out there, Matt. Uh, That's probably a topic that'll take us too long to get into right now. But uh, Kenyon Drake, Patrick Peterson, Devondre Campbell, J.R. Sweezy, Corey Peters, Marcus Golden, Hassan Reddick, who had a really breakout season and has been underutilized as a pass rusher throughout his career. He was a stand-up 3-4 outside linebacker pass rusher to me when he was coming out of college, and he was miscast as this off-ball linebacker because of his size. And finally, we got to see that pass rush from him. I could see him going to somewhere like Baltimore or something like that and being a really nice player for somebody to be used as a pure pass rusher. But I don't think you can bring him back now. Drake Kirkpatrick, I mean, there's just so many free agents right now for... The Arizona Cardinals, how many of those guys can they bring back after adding that much salary in J.J. Watt? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would assume Reddick is as good as gone at this point. Came off his best year. His stock's going to be much higher than it was. I think he had four or five sacks against one team, though, which is a red flag for me. And to your point, I mean, took them a little while to realize he should just be an edge. And I hesitate to go down this road because – They've had the Buddha Bakers and now Isaiah Simmons. Like they seem to covet these defensive players that can do a lot of things, these super versatile defensive players. And the the league doesn't really work that way. Like 
you can't go to inside linebacker meeting room and defensive end meeting room. Like you kind of have to pick one. And that was a problem for Isaiah Simmons this past year. And when they finally did that with Reddick and just said, okay, you're an edge, go to the edge meeting room, learn the, the edge, you know, every play, what your keys are. Then he started to explode. And I hope it doesn't take them a year too long on Simmons too. Like it's beautiful that miles Jack and, Jabril Peppers and trying to think of some of the recent defensive players that do so many things. That's wonderful. Or what's his face coming out of uh, Notre Dame this year, you know, like, but you kind of have to pick one at the league. You can't just do, you can't play five positions. Right. Owusu Koromoa is one. You still have to decide what they're going to be most of the time and then utilize their flexibility from there. It's like, are you a running back that flexes out to be a receiver or do you just end up getting lost because you're not a good running back and you're not a good receiver? And that happens on the defensive side of the ball as well. Positionless football is great as long as you can use that player every down and they have an impact and they have a role. Um, I kind of avoided your question there about what the rest of the offseason entails for the Cardinals. Because I still think they could use three or four defensive players. And I really think they're going to have to get another, you know, some sort of pass catcher. Probably not a tight end, probably Mm -hmm. a receiver. I don't know if they'll be able to get all those things done. I hate to burst the cards bubbles because this is a fun signing and I think it's a good landing spot and it's going to be great for the community and all those things, but they're still fourth in the West for me. Ooh, okay. (laughs) Okay. I like that. No, we've (laughs) got to get deeper into that. And right now we do not have time. So I'm going to put a pin in that one, save it for later. Still the fourth best team in the NFC West, which is a really good division. So that's not saying, you know, it's not crushing the Cardinals, but uh, interesting. Maybe this, Maybe this move is is more flash and substance at this point in J.J. Watt's career. That's interesting. I did see that take elsewhere around the NFL and the Twitterverse. So we'll see how that goes for the Cardinals. We've got to get to the listener questions next in our Twitter Tuesday coming up. I don't know where Bet Online had the odds for the Arizona Cardinals to land J.J. Watt, but the odds were probably pretty favorable for anybody who put some money on that. And there are a number of things you can bet on still involving the NFL this offseason. Where will Deshaun Watson end up? NFL draft props. Who will win the Super Bowl next year? NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball getting going. The action is nonstop at betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online even has awards, TV shows, and reality TV you can bet on. Table games, poker, blackjack, real-time, updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, players fleeing the Houston Texans, what NFL team will be the worst to play for in 2021? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Let's kick this mailbag off with Dave on Twitter. He says, in your mock draft, Brian, what would the 49ers get for trading down to 18 with the Dolphins. So uh, I got a few questions about this with my mock draft because I didn't really include mm. what the trades were. You know, just like assumed chart value for whatever these trades were. And for the Dolphins to move up, it would cost uh, mid to late two is what the chart, the old Jimmy Johnson chart says that value should be going from 18 to 12. And as luck would have it, the Dolphins have two second round picks. So 
I would say it would be their later second-round pick, which is round number 50 overall, is probably what it would take for the Dolphins to go up from 18 to 12 there. So to, uh, to put a bow on that trade, let's assume that it's a, a you know, mid-second-rounder there, the second-second-round pick for the Dolphins to move up to 12. If you missed that mock draft, I, I will spoil this one, but you should go back and listen to the whole podcast from last Wednesday. It was the Dolphins moving up from 18 to draft Jalen Waddle, wide receiver from Alabama at 12. Yeah, and and from what I recall, I think that's true. They ended up with Penny Sewell and Jalen Waddle, right. you know, with the first round. Like, okay, which I love yeah. that. I think that's a slam <laughs> yeah. dunk for the Dolphins there. Absolutely. Yeah, you go to a, you know. Uh, what should the Saints do at quarterback if Drew Brees decides not to retire? This from Sharpshooter eighty two. Well, I can't believe that this hasn't happened yet. Uh, I mean. I know people have a hard time hanging it up, but that seemed like the biggest slam dunk of all time. And the way he was playing indicated that he should not come back. I don't think you can bring him back. I mean, what's interesting to me about Breeze is after the season, if people, I'm not even sure if we talked about this, he signed a new contract, you know, after this year. I think it's a three year deal. And all it does is just make the Saints' life a little easier with their n- nasty cap situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the assumption, and I don't remember anyone ever doing that, signing a deal to retire, you get a big chunk of money now, and they spread out the stuff they owe you over the next couple of years, and that helps their cap, and everybody wins. But he's under contract with the Saints, you know? know? Does that mean he can't contractually retire? Is that part of this? Because he has to be active for that to, because when you retire, doesn't everything accelerate anyway to the salary cap? Well, I think there's going to be a lot of dead money over the next couple of years, and he gets a chunk now. Okay. I don't know exactly how it works. Because somehow it they guarantee it to where it can't, it can't yeah. accelerate. Okay. So he's going to be on the books. So if he returns, I mean, he has a contract. I mean, he's a saint right now. It's true. Yeah, he's locked in, I guess. So he could uh, he could just come back if he wants to. Didn't he already do this, yeah. too? Remember there was the Pro Bowl thing where um, somebody let him start the Pro Bowl or take a snap in the Pro Bowl. I don't remember. There's something where everyone assumed uh, yeah. he was going to retire a couple of years ago, ever. and then he didn't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing I know about Breeze, and I don't mean this to be a negative, are the records are very important to him. You know, the, the yardage marks and the all-time touchdowns and things like that. I wonder if he looks at it like, hey, our team's pretty darn good. I could add another 25 touchdowns to my legacy and 3,500 yards. But man, I think the Saints can't. That's not what they want. You know, I mean, they, I thought it was a foregone conclusion. We're better off without you. It's time for you to move on. I assume that's the way it'll go. But does it muddy everything up if he says, thanks for the contract? I'm coming back. See you in minicamp. In a way, I think it would make it cleaner and easier because I think they will go with. Because I, I don't think the Saints are going to do well if they just roll with Winston and Taysom Hill. I, I've, I've hated that idea the whole mm-hmm. time. It's just, you know, two quarterbacks that you're not sure which what you have there. Two quarter, Sometimes when you have two quarterbacks, it means you have none. I feel like that's the way it is for the Saints. I would much prefer Drew Brees to come back and mentor some rookie that you draft. If you draft Mac Jones or whatever in the first round and go that route and not mess with either one of Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. I think that might even benefit long term. And then who knows, maybe even Drew Brees gets hurt and doesn't finish the, the year and you... 
you have your rookie there with the mentor that you're already paying anyways with that that uh, contractual obligation for the next three years. So um, that's by week maybe, eight you hand it to the rookie no matter what. Yeah, yeah. and maybe give uh, give. I still think there's going to be a rookie there in the first round. True, or maybe it's maybe it's Kyle Trask, maybe it's you know whoever mm-hmm. it is, and you do hold on to one of the other veteran quarterbacks on the roster too to give you three. I don't know. I just I, I almost think you got to rip the bandaid off because I don't think they're going to go win anything with Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. Although we haven't seen enough of Jameis Winston post eye surgery to really know, but um, I just I think I've seen enough of Taysom Hill to say I don't oh, really yeah. want him to. He's that. not a starting NFL quarterback. He's a fun no. whatever he is, number three guy, and you use him as a tight end and you put him in the backfield and, and do some fun things. But I'm not rolling him out there at quarterback. And if you're paying Breeze, do you want to pay the veteran salary that it'll cost to sign Winston anyway? Because he's a free agent too. So I'd say I'm curious what Winston's going to ask for because he played for like nothing this year. Is right. he just going to do that again? I don't think. No, I don't think so. And I think he would probably get some sort of an offer from the team, a team like the Bears. Uh, the Bears, maybe, you know, whatever team is left standing yeah. without that quarterback that they need that's a veteran quarterback. Even if they go to the draft, they might want a veteran player. I think he would get more. I mean, we saw what Teddy Bridgewater got last year, right? On a three year deal. I might rather have Winston. Yeah. Winston now versus what Teddy Bridgewater was last year. There's not a big difference there. No, I mean, Bridgewater won those five games when Breeze was out. You know, we haven't seen much from Winston as a saint, but he's a lot more ability than Bridgewater. That's interesting. And they don't have any cap to really do much of anything anyway. So no. uh, that's uh, that would be the cheapest route if you already have to pay Breeze anyway and it wouldn't change his contract. Go cheap at quarterback with a rookie. Uh, that that would be the way I would do things if uh, Drew Breeze does not retire. Good question. That was from Sharp Sports. 82. I'm not sure we answered it real well. We did not answer. I don't have any good answers there. My answer is <laughs> it's if he a does, bad situation. I, yeah. My answer is actually really simple. If he does not retire, Breeze comes back, go with a rookie, Taysom Hill, go as cheap as you can, and maybe even not even Taysom Hill, just go as cheap as you can at quarterback behind and let Breeze mentor the next guy. It wouldn't break my heart if Winston was the starter and played every snap. I would I would like to see that Breeze just reti- to know. If Breeze retires. Like uh, scientifically, I would be like, okay, let's see what that looks like. Even with yeah. Taysom Hill, I would love to see what that looked like for a full season. You're the quarterback, every snap go. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would go well. I don't think it would, would go well, but shoot. like you know, yeah. I don't, I'm not invested in the Saints. I would be like, okay, here's <laughs> right, a good roster. Right. Let's see what this quarterback can do. Give it all you got. Yeah. No, I hear you there. Keith says, why doesn't JJ Watt own a bike? That's because that was just him saying he's not going to the Packers, right? That was his last tweet before announcing that he was going to the Cardinals. Oh, okay. That must be the Packer training camp thing. Yes. Bike, kids. Okay. Yeah. yeah. First I heard that. But there was the enough. mitochondria too. Did you see that tweet from a few days ago? He said the, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. And I still don't know how that ties into the Cardinals yet. Or maybe he's just having fun and it had nothing to do with where he was signing as a free agent. Okay. I mean, I know he's <laughs> super into fitness and... <laughs> I'm not, so I don't exactly know what he's talking about there. Uh, Originally, I thought he was talking about like metachlorins from Jedi stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. I got a little confused there, but um, the metachlorine count is high in in JJ Watt. Oh, the force is strong in him. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. Uh, More Twitter questions. Coming up, we've uh, we've hit officially two questions so far, Matt. This is why it is never That's the actual two-minute drill, but we'll, we'll try to get them a little bit faster. Let's do that. Let's make the, this, this last segment the speed round. I keep meaning to 
go get a, a, a timer sounder so we could play it and then we know exactly when it's up and, and it'll buzz for us. I think we should at least try that sometime so we know and we can really officially do it the way we had always planned, which is hit every division, one question, two minutes, and, and do it very strict. So next week, we'll try that, okay? Next Tuesday, listeners, hold us to that. We're going to have a timer. We're going to hit each division for two minutes only with each question. Next week. And then Monday night, watching will get traded and we'll throw that all away. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, that is exactly what's going to happen. All right, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how we can do a, a practice run here coming up to finish up this Tuesday edition of Peacock and Williamson. Have you visited RockAuto.com yet? If you haven't, you need to because it's the best place to go to keep your car running at an optimal level. If you need accessories for your vehicle, if you need anything at all involving your vehicle, it is such an amazing selection at RockAuto.com, and their prices are always reliably low. Why go to other retailers when uh, they have such a limited stock and you don't know what they're even ordering on the other side of a computer screen? You can go find exactly what you need for your make and model, a ridiculous selection at rockauto.com and keep your vehicle on the road. Or maybe even add some fun aftermarket parts, right? rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com with a unique catalog, remarkably easy to navigate, quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand's specifications and prices you prefer. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. To Joshua a frequent tweeter into the show. He says, who on the Lions roster is a foundational player? Whew, that's a good question. I'll try to be quick. Swift, Ragnow, Hawk, none of the receivers, Akuda, Flowers, but I think his contract's coming up soon. Am I missing anybody? <laughs> I mean, like, Ragnow, I think that's... Ragnow is a good one, and you don't really think of interior offensive linemen as a foundational player, but he's really good, and yeah. he's definitely someone to to build around and anchor up front for the Detroit Lions. Galladay's probably going to get the franchise tag. I saw recently that maybe he could fetch a, a second-round pick. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's going to be there long, so you can't really put him into the list. Right. So, yeah, Ragnow, Okuda, I think is the best opportunity there. Uh, Okuda hasn't played to that foundational player level, level but... Um, depending on what you gotta treat him that way still, though. Yes, absolutely. As a, as a top pick from last season, absolutely. Okuda should be treated as a foundational player right now. So they do have some, who's the, not a term I throw around lightly though. Who's the third name you mentioned? Uh, Hawkinson. Oh, Hawkinson. Swift. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Hawkinson too. We need to see a little bit more from Hawkinson and Okuda right now. Ragnow is the only one I've seen play at that level so far. I thought Hawk took a nice step forward this year, past year. I have hope for DeAndre Swift, but can a back be a yes. foundational player for the last three more years? You know, that's a good question. Huge question. Uh, Travis wants to know why is there not more talk of Dak being traded? The Cowboys could trade Dak, use the picks in a, a move up to get a quarterback from pick ten, uh, save a ton, ton of money on the cap in doing so, and also if he does get franchise tagged, teams can go do that without you know. They don't have to go ask the Cowboys permission to go sign a player who's on the franchise tag, right? Now they can make an offer like he's a free agent, right? right. And give and up those couple of draft picks. And if, if it only costs two draft picks and money for Dak Prescott, some teams might see that as a bargain compared to four first round draft picks for Deshaun Watson. I, I just keep thinking Panthers, you know, like I would, 
if, if I got to pay him franchise money and it only cost me my next two first round picks, I'm waiting for the second that Dallas puts a franchise tag on Dak and I'm making him an offer for like a five year deal. Why? Here's something that I've, that to my knowledge hasn't happened. And I'm wondering why it hasn't happened. And if you are, say, the Panthers, it's a perfect scenario for that. You're picking at eight, right? Couldn't you call up the Dolphins or the Jets and say, look, you have a first rounder this year. Give us two firsts for our number eight. Then we go sign Dak and we just turned the one first rounder number eight into two firsts that now the Dallas Cowboys get. So what am I offering? You're, ter- you're, ba- you're, you're the Panthers. You call me. I'm the Dolphins. Yeah, so so you ask? You basically, you're, you're trying to turn your eighth overall pick into two first round picks. So you're giving up only that one resource of number eight in that trade for so you're doing the the draft pick trade first to add an extra first round pick so you don't have to actually trade two of your original first round picks after you sign Dak Prescott. Oh, that's you saying. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, well, you, it'd have to be two later than eight, obviously. Right, yeah. So you're moving back with, say, the Jets who are picking at 23 and you're getting a future first from them as well. So now okay. you're giving up instead of your eighth pick this year if you're the Panthers and your first next year you are gaining an extra first round pick because you're only giving up number 23 overall this year and your first round mm-hmm. pick next year. No, that's what you're saying. Your picks are, uh, it's a very generic term. I mean, right. first overall is a lot different than 32nd overall. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So do the right. trade first, add more draft picks. So that way, the picks you give up when you sign the franchise tagged player are, you're, you're giving up fewer resources in total. And try to maybe even add a bunch of seconds because they can't take them off you. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that type of thing. Yeah, you know, move, like, move like your firsts off. into the future so they're getting future firsts instead of this year's firsts, and you have a bunch of second rounders to use this year. Isn't there a franchise tag, though, that's non, that you can't make an offer? You know, I know there used to be. I, I am not brushed up on the CBA. You're right, me neither. And it's, it's changed so many new. times. There was the transitional tag that was like a first and a third or something like that. Then there was the franchise tag, and then there was the the other, like non-exclusive franchise tag, right? That was even right. more draft picks. So I think that was even more expensive than two firsts. Um, I can't remember what the term. So I'm not were. positive how that works. I mean, without question, Dallas will put the biggest one on Dak that yes. you can. But I don't mean. I'm not sure that doesn't mean you can't go after him. So I might need to brush up on that. But still, if Dak and Dallas can't come up with an agreement, I would think you could pry him away for cheaper than you could Watson for sure. Absolutely. He would be t- cheaper than Watson anyway, maybe a little bit more per year salary wise, especially next yes. year. Cause Watson only has 10 million on his deal next year, which might entice some teams, but it'll, uh, that jumps up to like 35 million the following year. Uh, here's one last good. And by the way, at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL, if you know the ins and outs of the CBA, uh, feel free to let us know. I'll that probably look at it. That, I'm interested I now, and I want to look it up after we're done recording here. Let's finish this up with Barry. He says, I listened to a podcast where Joe Thomas absolutely eviscerated the measurement of tackle prospects' arms and showed how meaningless it is as a measure. What's your favorite meaningless scouting measure? Mine is marrying a high school sweetheart is a measure of good character. <laughs> <laughs> I read that one before. It made me laugh. That's like, a very old school one. Old school scouts are like, you know, yeah. did you, you, know, you, don't, you can't smoke grass and, you know, do, you, do yeah. you go to church and do you, you know, did you marry your high school sweetheart? Are you loyal? Those are some very old school things. And I, I, you could gain some things from, from getting to know somebody. You can't just say, oh, you married your high school sweetheart. So this guy's going to be a good NFL player. You know, that, that's insanity. But I, I understand going into someone's background and getting to know him a little bit. 
bit. And there is something to loyalty. If they've been loyal every step of their life, that's more likely to continue than someone who's quit on a bunch of teams or something like that. Yeah, it's funny because you, I've, I've heard that read in reports. Married the head cheerleader of his high school team, and they were homecoming king and queen, and they've lived happily ever after, and they have three wonderful blonde boys that are going to be the next Mannings. And <laughs> that doesn't mean he doesn't abuse her behind the scenes or shoots heroin when they're not looking or, you know what I mean? There yeah. is not a good person, you know, just, but you, you read though, they paint this picture of this white picket fence and he's got this wonderful wife. And here's an, an old one too, that it, quarterbacks have to have hot wives, you know, like, I've heard guys, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. the red flag, like, man, his, his, his wife's not that great. You right. Know? Like, like, you're not the alpha. You didn't go, you didn't go uh, like a caveman and conk over the, the hottest girl in school and take right. her home with you and, you know, and make her your wife. Like, I, I've heard that too. And it's, it's absurdity. It's, it's going a step further than the high school sweetheart thing. And it's just, right. It's, uh, yeah, it's odd. Why didn't, why does he have a better looking wife? He's been a you know, star quarterback his whole life. It's like, like what? Well, maybe she's a wonderful lady. Right. Yeah, what kind of a creep are you, first of all, checking out these uh, probably people half your age or younger's um, significant others? <laughs> right. Um, um, to nerd out just a little, I've mentioned this on here many times over the years. The bench press to me is, is a metric I don't care much about because – um, our old strength coach at Pitt, who's now a strength coach for the Cardinals, Buddy Morris, taught me this r- real early on. He's like, it's just an endurance test. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's based on your arm length. I mean, if you have long arms, you're not going to do well on the bench. But more importantly, football's not played like that. That's more like a marathon of lifting as opposed to explosive power for four seconds and then rest for 25 and then do explosive power for four seconds. But you can't do that at the combine. You can't put 450 on the bar, let them do it, rest 15 seconds, do it again. You know, so it's not a great test of strength. No. And I think what a lot of these things are is they're not even testing the actual test. They're testing how much work the player put in to be good at the test. And it's similar to the 40 yard dash because, you know, rarely do you run 40 yards in a straight line. But if you don't put the work in and work on your start and work on your finish and work on how you stand up. Uh, during your, you know, at the 20 yard mark or whatever it is and have the right form, you're not going to run as good of a time. So you're almost testing how good the player is at at learning and working hard to be good at something. And bench press is part of that, you know, and, and for a DB, it's like you, you want a DB that can at least go in and push it up once because they've spent some time in the weight room. You know, it's it's one of those things more than anything. It's like if you put up 42 versus 27, that's not going to make you a better NFL player, period. Yeah, I mean, these guys know what questions are on the test when they go to Indy, you know, and you have plenty yep. of time to prepare. If you ignored that, you know, that's a kind of a red flag. Like I'm not that impressed with, or I'm not that you know, inspired to spend extra time in my day working on the bench press. So I don't embarrass myself, even though I knew it's coming, you know, I mean, I think I've told the story too, like normal years, the Steelers, whenever they draft a guy, they fly him in the next day like every other team, and he sits down with us for a segment. And I remember sitting down with Deontay Johnson, what, two years ago or whatever, and mentioned his 40 time. He didn't run a good 40 time. And he said, yeah, I didn't practice it at all. I'm like, and I double-taked. I'm like, what are you, crazy? You know, like, that's that's not helping your cause at all. He's like, it, it's not for me. I, I just wanted to play football and run fast on the field and work on my routes, and I – Thought it, maybe it would hurt me on draft day a little bit, but I want to be a better football player, and I wasn't going to spend time 
learning how to be a track star. I'm like, that's crazy. I can't believe you said that. And that kind of adds up. <laughs> yeah, it might hurt your draft stock, but if you can play ball, you're going to get a good second contract. Right. So he's like, that's time I could have been spent learning how to run out routes. Yeah, and the and the okay. weight thing. Yeah. It, there's going to be a lot of talk about Devonte Smith's weight at wide receiver. You might only show up at 175 pounds, or whatever. He's a thin guy. Chad Johnson recently, Ocho Cinco talked about it on Twitter. Somebody asked him how much he weighed. He was listed at 190. He said he played in the 170s in his career. He's a skinny guy. Mm. He's like, yeah, I don't care at all. Get open. Get open and catch the ball. Do you play big? Does that weight? Affect affect you on film and for Devonte smith it doesn't for me which is why he's still my top receiver and i think someone's going to get a steal because he might drop a little bit because of that weight i have some reservations about it i mean there are some good examples the isaac bruce's and harrison's and chad johnson's and they do they don't get bullied as much as they used to and they don't take as many shots as they used to but man i mean back to our conversation some of it's just because of our conversation of how much how many good second and third round receivers there are yeah. that if I'm going to use a top 10 pick, I kind of want them to look like Andre Johnson. Yeah. You want they, you want to draft Julio if you're drafting a top, right, top right. 10. No, that makes a ton of sense. And, and I totally get that. The arm length thing for tackles and pass rushers. I actually disagree with Joe Thomas. I think it's pretty darn important. It's not completely disqualifying. Uh, Nick Bosa is a shorter stubbier sort of rusher 6'2 and doesn't have the longest arms you know but he's at least got 32 inch arms and he can keep an offensive lineman off of him and is amazing with his hands technique wise but I think part of Joe Thomas's angle and I'd like to hear from Barry what podcast this was that he talked about this Joe Thomas got tagged with that so I think that's why he's probably bothered by it because I think his measurements were actually even wrong because I think he had long enough arms he had 33 inch plus arms but I think Somewhere, somehow, there was like this idea they had 32-inch arms and they were short for a tackle. And he was always the player that people pointed to. He was like, look, short arms don't matter because Joe Thomas is good. His arms are actually longer than that. So he meets the threshold. Um, and it's very rare. Like, there's not that many really good offensive tackles that don't meet that arm length threshold. Yeah, I don't think it's an accident. I think it's very important. Um, the podcast I used to do way back when, Football Today on ESPN, I did with Ross Tucker. And he brought it up many times when we were on the air. If he could have changed one thing about, if he could have helped himself as a player with anything, he would have added length to his arms. You know, not strength in the weight room, feet, agility. He said, man, my, my arms were short. And there was so many times he brought up Richard Seymour a lot that he would grab me before I could grab him, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. I was always fighting from behind. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. However, think of, there's a lot of times, and I think Thomas is a great example of this, that. Offensive tackles in particular, but all linemen, your hands have to work separate each other. I mean, there's a prototypical way of looking at you put your thumbs together and you punch in the middle of your chest. But really, if you watch good offensive linemen, one hand's doing one thing, one's doing the other. They're working independently of each other. And there's a lot of interaction where you're not even square to square. It's not like your shoulders are parallel to your opponent. Like think of Khalil Mack, like how that one arm move that he he gives you where he doesn't give you any chest to hit and he attacks you with a real long inside arm to your chest that it, your arm length really doesn't even matter. You know what I mean? Like there's ways around it is my point. And there's a lot of one versus one. And but I do think it matters. I mean, it's definitely a negative. I yes. remember like Robert Gallery, he was considered like yeah. the best t- tackle prospect going. 
his arm length really hurt him at the next level. That was his only knock. Yep, that was that was a big one. Um, and Cleo Mack, not being the tallest rusher, actually has long arms for his height, yeah, too. Yeah. So that absolutely helps him. And so it's not the end-all, be-all. You can have shorter arms and still be good, so it's not completely game over for you, but it just makes things more difficult. If you're slow and you're a wide receiver, it's more difficult, but Anquan mm. Boldens exist. So uh, it's not the only thing, but I think it's still somewhat important. It's definitely something I'd be checking on if I was looking for an offensive tackle in the draft, especially drafting one high. It might even be more important for defensive linemen and to come full circle on the podcast, Chandler Jones, JJ mm -hmm. Watt, you know, yeah. those guys are long. Yeah. One of the famous ones I can remember, Alden Smith, 35 inch arms. They called him Condor. And you can see him getting up under the pads of offensive tackles, getting his hands on their chest and pushing them back. He's so good at that. Yeah, yeah. Danielle Hunter, Clowney was absurd. Miles Garrett. You just think of all the great edge pass rushers. Most of them have absurdly long right. arms for their height, yeah. even if they're not that tall, like Khalil Mack. Mm, like a Rousseau coming out this yes, year. absolutely. That's why I love Rousseau. He's my favorite yeah. edge in this class. Yeah, makes All sense. Right. Uh, good stuff. We are out of time here. Thanks, everybody, for your questions. We will be back tomorrow getting back into Matt Williamson's prospect rankings for the 2021 draft and his team-by-team -team draft ditties. One note on every team in the NFL right here. Peacock and Williamson.